0: What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Our long national nightmare is over. Ladies and gentlemen, there is football this weekend. Week zero of the college football season is this weekend featuring Notre Dame playing Navy in Dublin. And what actually should be a pretty good game, Ohio versus San Diego State, is on 7 p.m. this Saturday. If you don't get your sports fix from watching... Navy and USC crush lower competition on Saturday, uh, the USA team USA actually tips off their FIBA world championship run against New Zealand Saturday morning at eight 40 in the morning. So, uh, that's my plan for the weekend, USA basketball in the morning, and then some not so good, and then some better college football games in the afternoon and at night. But for today, Matt is coming on here in just a minute to go over our nfc south preview we will be back on saturday to preview the afc south as a reminder we set up an email address fouled at gmail.com where you can reach out to us send us your feedback about the show what's working for you what's not we do bold predictions for every division during the nfl preview month and we would love to hear yours so send us your bold predictions let us know how many wins you think your team is going to have this season where are the win ranges on these podcasts right where are they wrong uh we'd love to hear from you so reach out to us fouledoutsports at com. but for now matt is coming on to break down the nfc south let's go Matt is here with possibly the best virtual background that he's had since the gig started. Again, Matt does the virtual backgrounds every week, and it's really just for me, because this is a completely audio platform, like it's a completely audio podcast. There's no video version of the podcast (laughs) out there. And yet, Matt puts all this effort into the virtual backgrounds every week, and I love it. I love that it's a carrot. It says Carolina Madcats, Cats, which, if you don't remember from last year, is what my wife named the Panthers. <laughs> and there's a very mad cat on there, Matt. How are you and the Mad Cat doing? I think we're both doing pretty well.
1: The, the irony is that if we ever go to an actual like video podcast, I'm absolutely stopping the virtual background just for the absolute horarity of it on my own end.
0: The disappointment the fans would feel if we released this podcast on YouTube and it was just completely normal backgrounds after the discussion of the virtual backgrounds for so long. But all right, weird. We're not here to talk about the virtual backgrounds. We're not here to talk about all the stuff that we discussed in our pre-show meeting. I mean, that, a little
1: bit. Kind that of definitely was wasn't farts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We really just record like the pre-show meetings and put those out for the people because that was... The, let me just tell you guys that the pre-show meeting today was an event. It was an event. Well, we are here to talk about the NFC South, which, like, to be honest, kind of reminds me of a fart this year. <laughs> I don't remember going into a year where the general consensus on a division was more meh than the NFC South. Vegas has all four teams in like the six and a half to nine and a half range for their over under. So they're all expected to be right around 500, maybe a little bit lower. And it's kind of reflective of what we saw last season where the Buccaneers won the division at eight and nine. And then all three of the other teams finished seven and 10. Do you expect that same kind of mad, like all right around or right under 500 type of year or do you think we see somebody come out of the NFC South that's actually a threat?
1: I fully expect there to be at least one team that comes out of this division that maybe they're not a contender for the Super Bowl this year, but it, they'll at the very least be kind of like how the NFL reacted to like the Jaguars and the Lions last year. They're like, oh. They're going to be good. and We have to deal with that.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get to the win ranges that we pick for these teams in a little bit. But I just want to warn everybody that I might shock some of you during this podcast, because there is a team in this division that I actually like as not like a dark horse Super Bowl contender, but a team that I think is going to be a lot better than a lot of people are projecting them to be. And a team that I think could actually make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. I don't want to spoil that, so I'm not going to say who it is. But uh, let's jump into biggest storylines. What is your biggest storyline for the NFC South this season?
1: My storyline for the NFC South is, is Royce Young actually too small? Spoiler, the answer is probably no. Because he's always been very good with very large people around him. So... We heard it with Kyler, right? We heard it with him again. We've heard it with other smaller athletic quarterbacks. And some of them work out. You know, some of them don't. But it never feels like the size is actually the reason why any of these guys fail. I am excited to have this season kind of like put that debate to bed at least for him as a player and just in general to watch him because he's such a fun and exciting player to watch
0: i think it's funny you mentioned kyler murray and kyler murray's size and people blame kyler murray's like lack of success in some areas yeah. to his size like they attribute it to him being a small quarterback it's like- when
1: like His team literally tried to put a clause in his contract, tied money to him spending time watching film because he did it so little.
0: Yeah, Bryce Young is not going to have that problem.
1: No, he got that dog in him.
0: No. It's funny because we're this week between this podcast and the AFC South podcast, we're going to drop on Saturday. We're actually going to talk about a lot of rookie quarterbacks because the majority of the guys taken in this past draft were taken by the AFC and NFC South teams. You know, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, CJ Stroud. All guys we're going to discuss this week. Bryce Young was my favorite quarterback in this past draft. He was your favorite quarterback in this past draft. I think it's an interesting spot for him to land. Because Carolina traded away their best weapon in order to get him. And like, I don't necessarily think his size is going to hold him back. I think the things I worry about with him this season is like, how good is Carolina's offense really going to be around him? You know, I like Miles Sanders in that backfield. Mm -hmm. The offensive line is still questionable. And then your pass catchers are aging guys and like feeling and Chark, and then yeah. Question marks in Mingo, who's a rookie and Terrace Marshall, who I like, but it just got hurt. I'll be really interested to see how he does in his first season, because like the Madcats are a team that has a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of young talent. And this is really like this is their swing, right? They traded all the way up to one to grab this guy. I think this is their chance to like have that leader moving forward and really have like the guy who's going to rally all that young talent and help this team develop down the road. But I could see year one being somewhat rough for him, you know, partially like the size, partially just it's a rookie trying to adjust to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that he has as much talent around him as some of the other rookies we're going to talk about later this week. Yeah, so it'll be fun to watch. My biggest storyline for the NFC South, we we kind of touched on this already, is is this division going to matter? <laughs> is Are any of these teams really going to matter? Uh, like we said earlier, they're all projected to kind of finish around uh, 6 to 9 wins, so like really at or around 500. Last year, the Bucks won the division at 8 and 9. Everybody else finished 7 and 10, so it was a very competitive division, but like, it, it didn't really matter. You know, you had a team that was under 500 win it. They went to the playoffs and immediately lost to Dallas. It's interesting because all four teams in this division have actually on their own and in their own right been very successful recently. So since 2010, all four teams in this division have played in the Super Bowl. This is the only division that can say that. So it's teams that have been built and have fallen and have built again. And it's always been kind of a topsy-turvy division. Like there was a long time there where they had a different team win this division every single year. And I think we may see some more of that this year. Like the bucks have dominated this division for the last couple seasons with Tom Brady, but now they're finished only are picked to actually come in last now. So my question is like, we're going to play a whole year of football in this division is it going to be important? Does it impact the season or is this just like, okay, yeah, one of these teams gets into the playoffs and just loses immediately?
1: I think that's probably more important than people think. There are three teams in this division that made major plays this off season. The saints very notably, did a lot in order to get Derek Carr there. Uh, Carolina, also, not so subtly, did whatever they needed to to get up to number one to get their quarterback. And Atlanta spent a lot of money in free agency on their defense. You know, they brought in Jesse Bates. They brought in Klayas Campbell. They brought in D- Bud, uh, Bud Dupree but you don't do that without expecting immediate results.
0: Yeah. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this division this year is that all four teams are starting a different quarterback week one this year than they did last year. Yeah. Saints have Derek Carr, Carolina starting Bryce Young. The Falcons are starting Ritter who started four games for them last season, but wasn't their week one quarterback. Uh, And then the Buccaneers just announced today that Baker Mayfield has won their starting job. So, a lot of turnover, but like, I think all four teams looked at how this division finished last year, where they all finished within a game of each other and said, Hey, we can win this division this year. Like, this division is probably the most wide open in all of football, I would say, for someone to win it. And there is a team that I like to win it a lot. We'll go over it in the win ranges, but I'm very high on one of the teams uh, in this division this year, kind of shockingly. So, um, do you you want to go on to the win ranges so we can touch on it?
1: Yeah, let's do it. We're gonna start out with the Atlanta Falcons, the team that we love to roast so very much for twenty eight to three.
0: I'll never stop. You know, I, I didn't even really mean to roast them when we were doing the AFC East podcast on Saturday. <laughs> and I even talked about it on Saturday, how sometimes when I'm feeling sad about the Patriots, I go watch the 28 to three highlights. Just go back. It's available on YouTube. You can watch it. Yeah. That's actually at the beginning of this podcast, we unintentionally mentioned 28 to three every week for like the first 17 episodes of the podcast. Yeah. Then we caught ourselves doing it and then we just kept doing it
1: <laughs> yeah it, there was a point where it stopped being unintentional we 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 took a we took a significant break for a while so uh however there is more to the franchise than just 28 to three uh is there <laughs> God I love we have team. no we have no predictions it's just 20 no um so my win range for the Atlanta Falcons is 7 to 11 wins as i said they spent a metric fuck ton of money on their defense which means it can't be worse than it was <laughs> i would hope um so I, I firmly believe that their defense will be significantly improved Uh, just based on that. I mean, having Jesse Bates as your free safety is usually a really good start <laughs> to uh, improving your pass coverage.
0: Yeah, so the Vegas over-under for the Falcons is 8.5. I want the city of Atlanta, Falcon fans, my hometown, the city I was born in to take this as my apology to the Atlanta Falcons. I love the Falcons this year. I really love the Falcons this year. I put their win range at 10 to 11 games. I, you are
1: fucking locked in. huh?
0: I, oh man, I'm going wow. all, I'm going all in. This is one of, there's two teams that I'm going all in on this season. The Falcons are one of them. They have the softest schedule in the league by far. Them and the Saints, really, honestly. Like this division sucks. Their crossovers are like the I think it's the NFC North and the AFC South, which are not super deep divisions either. Yeah. And then like their wild card games are like Arizona and I forget the other one off the top of my head, but like the schedule is bad. They actually are like tied with The Saints for the weakest strength of schedule going into the season, which I know we talk about it every week. It doesn't really mean anything, but like, yeah, God, I look at it and I look at all the teams they're playing and where I have those teams win ranges. And I'm like, this schedule sucks. You touched on the defense. They spent a lot of money on D. I basically like when Jesse Bates became a free agent, I was like, wherever he goes, I'm going to like that team a lot more than I should next season. And now here we are. Yeah, Yeah. The thing thing I really like about the Falcons is that they're a team that's built from the inside out. The offensive line was dominant last season. The best run blocking offensive line in the NFL. They're projected to be a top five offensive line this year. The one weak spot they had was guard. They drafted uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse to play guard for them and eventually swing out to tackle someday. But they look like they like this was a very strong offensive line that had like one weakness in it. And it looks like they've addressed that. I think about what this offense did with Marcus Mariota, Tyler Algier, and Corderell Patterson running the ball. And now you're gonna replace that with a dude who's seen as a generational running back prospect in Bajan Robinson. Like Bajan is the best running back prospect that we've seen at least since Saquon Barkley and maybe dating all the way back to like LaDainey and Tomlinson. He is a monster. And like, yes, there is a different conversation to be had about where he was picked. But if you're taking a running back, who's that good? Running back is a position that has like an instant impact in the NFL. Like these guys come in and they're like awesome right away. And you're sticking that in Arthur Smith's offense Behind the best offensive line or the best run blocking offensive line in football, watch out. I just like a lot of the moves they made. I even like trading for Jeff Okuda and putting him across from AJ Terrell. Like, that's going to make Okuda's life a lot easier too, that he doesn't have to be the number one cornerback. So, I yeah. I think there's a lot to like in Atlanta. I went all in. I'm saying they win double digit games this season.
1: Yeah, I. I am not as bought in yet on Desmond Ritter as you are. I still need to see it. And that is why I have the floor at seven. If he is just shitting his fucking pants out there, then I still think they win seven games.
0: Can I make you build up your confidence in the Falcons a little bit? Do you know who they brought in to back up Desmond Ritter this season?
1: Uh, I did
0: it at one point. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> if God. Desmond if Desmond Ritter shits his okay. pants, Taylor Heineke. Like, I
1: I am willing yeah. to push that up to nine with Taylor. Honestly, dude, it frustrates me how much disrespect Taylor Heineke gets. He goes somewhere. He wins fucking games. They're like, oh, but we want better. So they try someone else. They lose fucking games. He wins more games than them. And they're like, oh, but we still need better. And then they fucking ship him out.
0: I was just about to say, you want to talk about a dude who just wins football games? It's Taylor. Taylor Heineke is like the guy who averages 157 yards a game and his team is six and two. So this is my thing. Like, I do believe in Ritter. I've liked Ritter for a while, but if it doesn't work out with Ritter, you bring in Taylor Heineke. And I don't feel like you're going to miss that much with him at QB.
1: You, you kind of convinced me. i am I'll, I'll move my floor up to nine.
0: I told you in the pre-show meeting that I was going to convince you. Yeah. You, you, you found,
1: you, you found my soft spot for Taylor Heineke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I knew this would happen. This is a, We've gone from torching the Atlanta Falcons to being like an Atlanta Falcons fan podcast. Let's go. All right, who is next? It's probably not going to be as exciting as the Falcons.
1: Uh, next up is my virtual background, the Mad Cats,
0: Mad kitties.
1: This is a pretty exciting team this year. Not necessarily as flashy with some of the stuff that they got weapons-wise, but I have them from 8 to 11 wins still. I cannot fathom seeing Bryce Young be more than, like, a game below five hundred. I have a really hard time seeing that, especially with the talent they have on that defense. You know, J.C. Horn... Made a big step forward last year. I I think we're gonna see more of that this year. Uh, they still got Jeremy Chin. Um, like there's talent all over that defense. That defense combined with the offensive line, the offense that they're gonna run, and those those running backs. I'm. I really really like the addition of Miles Sanders for them. And I think that's going to make things a, re- a lot easier on him. And the fact that, you know, he can do a little bit of running himself if he needs to, I don't think they're going to over into it nor should they, but like, I think it's going to be hard to defend that.
0: I don't think we could be more far off on this pick. <laughs> I bumped them up a little bit. Cause I think you got a good case about the defense, but I said between five and eight wins. For the Mad Cats. I just, I think it's really hard to break in a rookie QB and do it immediately. And like, while I think Bryce Young is going to be very good in the NFL long term, I'm like, man, you're going to start off, you're going to start off at Atlanta, who we just talked about, home for the Saints. And then you got Seattle, the Vikings, the Lions, the Dolphins before your bye week. Like, that's a little bit of a gauntlet to put. Bryce Young through to start his career. Yeah. And it's like, it's not so much on Bryce Young as it is. Like I look at the receiving core and I'm like, I just don't know who this guy's throwing to. I don't know how long like Chark and Phelan are both going to be healthy. Yeah. I like Mingo somewhat, but I don't know. He's like, he's a rookie. Yeah. You know, we don't know. And the offensive line, not, Fantastic! Like getting better, but probably still in the bottom half of the. Uh,
1: I mean the the offensive. Well, you're you're looking at them from a straight like drop back passing standpoint. They were very effective in run blocking last year, as that running game kind of like took them on that huge run.
0: Yeah, I think it could be a really good season for Miles Sanders. Like I'm excited for him in this offense. I'm excited for him to actually yeah. get some run but I think this division is like tougher around them this season. I think the Falcons and the saints are probably both better than they were last season. And I just, I just don't know with like rookie quarterback, not a ton of talent. Cause like at least last year, while the quarterback situation is going to be better this year, at least last year they had, uh, what's his face, DJ Moore for a large portion of the season. Like, We'll have to see, but I I'm not as high on them as you. I, I expect them to finish probably similar to last year. They were like seven and ten last year. I expect them to really be in that like seven, eight win range. But I could see that if Bryce Young's height actually like does end up being a problem or he gets hurt because he's a little bit slighter, then they start getting into a lot more trouble. Yep. So who who are we going to next? Uh,
1: next, uh, we're going to the saints, not
0: right I nailed the alphabetical order this week.
1: <laughs> I have them at eight and 11 as well. I have enough respect for cam Jordan and the guys that they have left on that defense to believe that they will drag that team to at least close to 500 if the offense cannot get it together because they did so last year. But I also watched how poor that offense was, whether it was Jameis or Andy Dalton out there like it didn't matter it was bad to replace that with Derek Carr who can do more with what they have at their disposal there like i i think there is possibility of a maximum of 11 wins
0: uh you're a lot higher on this division than i am uh, I said the Saints, I put them at seven to nine wins. I'm just very meh on the Saints. And yeah. like I gave them, I said over 500 because the schedule is theoretically extremely soft, just like the Falcons. They basically have the same schedule as the Falcons. Yeah. But I think Derek Carr is super overrated. I feel like that's an actual hot take because everybody says Derek Carr is underrated. I I think Derek Carr is like very well meh.
1: now they say that
0: I still, because think he's for overrated. a
1: very long time, everyone was also shitting on him. So all the people who are like jumping on that now, they're also hot taking themselves, I guess. I don't know. You're also not, necessarily attributing how horrible of a situation it is to play for the Raiders just in general. And you know how suspect of a play caller Josh McDaniels is.
0: I know it better than anybody. I just still like, I look at Derek Carr's entire career and it, his best seasons are like mid twenties in the touchdowns and double digit interceptions. It's like, cool. Great. I can get that in a lot of places. Like he's just like a man. Like I kind of look at him as like the replacement quarterback. Like when we talk about wins above replacement, he's the guy you're replacing. That's how I feel. I mean, I, I think
1: that if you're saying that, then Over half of the league, you're replacing those guys.
0: Yeah, I would. I would say like he's probably if I was ranking the top 32 quarterbacks in the league, I'd probably have him somewhere around like 16, 17. Like he's.
1: Oh, I'd have him. I'd have him higher than that. Like I think some of the guys that you're probably putting over him, I think are also. I don't know. They're getting too much credit. I'd take him over Dak easily. Like, without any hesitation.
0: I would not. I would not. I think Dak is a
1: major fraud.
0: So, I think Carr is overrated. That's my take. (laughs) That's why I'm not super high on the Saints. Because, like, I look at the Saints as a whole, and I'm like, yeah, I really like some of the pieces. I like Olave. I like Cam Jordan. I'm like, is Derek Carr better than what they had at quarterback last season? 100%. Like, he's a better quarterback than Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. But since Sean Payton left this team, the coaching and the coordinating of this team has been bad. The offensive line, not great. And just like, you know, Kamara suspended for a couple games. They have Jamal Williams, who I like, but like that hurts. Michael Thomas, everybody's like, ah, Michael Thomas. Ah, Michael Thomas has caught like three passes and three I'm not even...
1: Thinking about Michael Thomas
0: being on the team. I know I'm just putting this out there that like, I think people are like, oh man, Olave and Michael Thomas together. And it's like, you guys need to forget about Michael Thomas. So I certainly have. (laughs) I'm just super mad on them as a team. I think Carr is a meh quarterback that gets too much credit. And I, eh, they're, they're probably 500. If I, if I could pick eight and eight, I would pick eight and eight, but that's not an option anymore
1: the reality of the situation is more of what I'm predicting is you have a couple of teams that are around 500 and the have one team that pops off. And yeah. when we go to our next team, well, you're I'm just also saying, going I to see why I have some of these, <laughs>
0: <laughs> these wins propped up. I, d- I was just going to say, I don't, I don't have the same ceilings as you do for these teams. I think that they just, I think that's, we're kind of saying the same thing is that they're probably around 500-ish, but you think they have higher ceilings. I think they have lower floors.
1: We don't bet against Joe Burrow. I'm also not betting against a Cam Jordan-led defense to be complete and utter shit. Like that that defense will drag a team to seven or eight wins.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to be shit. I just think they're meh. I'm <laughs> just meh on the whole saints organization. I'm like,
1: yeah. yeah and it, yeah. And, and the other side of that coin is like, if the transaction of getting Derek Carr works, that's a double digit team, Tampa Bay bucks. My win range is two to six. They're bad. They're bad. Like there's still a lot of talent on the defense, but it's like, you know, even if you get, a few games of good Baker. Are you really getting more than six wins? Like you're not going to get consistent Baker Mayfield all year. You're not like, that's not how he plays.
0: Yeah. We're actually on the same page here. I said three to six. I honestly, I thought about dropping it even lower, but like they still do have a lot of pieces that I like. Yeah especially on that defense. And they still have like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And yeah, my fear with them is that they finished 15th in yards per game last season Mm -hmm. while being dead last in rushing. Like one of the worst rushing teams we've seen in quite some time, only Mm -hmm. averaging 76 yards per game. The only reason that offense was effective at all last season was because Tom Brady was throwing the ball 43 times per game. Are you going to let Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask throw the ball 43 times per game? Like they did that out of necessity, not because they wanted to have 43 year old Tom Brady throw like equaling his age and pass attempts. Every game, (laughs) they suck at running and they have talent on the outside, but like, If you're telling me Baker Mayfield is throwing 40 plus passes a game this season for them, I'm telling you that they're picking Caleb Williams at number one overall.
1: How far off from the actual plan is that?
0: It's the thing. Is that like the plan? It's probably not the plan, but it might be a necessity if they can't run the ball at all. Like we're going to start seeing Baker in a lot of third and longs. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster.
1: More what I'm saying is they they probably looked at this offseason and, like, all right, so what can we do to win this year? And there were probably a number of moves that they were like, oh, well, we can do this, this, and this. And like, maybe we can contend to win this division. And then looked at it and like, well, yeah, maybe we can win this division, but we get fucking creamed in the wild card. There's no way you can look at this team and say, yeah don't need to get a quarterback of the future. Like yeah, a I, one year reset at the very least is needed.
0: I had this exact conversation with my coworker yesterday. He was asking me who I think could potentially pick Caleb Williams. He was like, ah, just, he loved Caleb Williams. And I was like, dude, we're on the same page. Also love Caleb Williams. I was like, it's probably Arizona. That's the most likely to have the top pick. Cause they have their pick and Houston's pick but i was like watch out for the bucks to be potentially really bad this season cuz i just don't know what they do with this offense like at yeah. all but let's go on to boldy bolds
1: i'm ready to get hurt again i'm going back to miles sanders <laughs> uh i i believe in Miles Sanders. I have always believed in Miles Sanders, unlike Nick Sirianni. I am predicting that Miles Sanders will have 1,600 yards of total offense this year uh, between rushing and passing yards and at least 10 touchdowns. This is a team that is going to have to rely on the ground game and as we talked about, does not necessarily have great weapons on the outside. They're going to have to use their number one weapon, and that is Miles Sanders. And while Nick Sirianni refused to do that, believe that they will do that in Carolina. Maybe, just maybe, those Mad Cats might feel some joy.
0: My Boldy Bold is also running back related. Mine is that Bajan Robinson leads the NFL in rushing as a rookie. I look at their rushing offense and what they were able to do on the ground with Tyler Algier and Cordarrelle Patterson the last couple of seasons. And like not trying to disparage those guys because they've done a great job. But mm. <clears throat> Atlanta finished third in rushing yards last season, only behind the Bears and the Ravens and they only finished two yards behind the Ravens take that make the offensive line better with the addition of Matthew Bergeron at guard and put a generational running back prospect in the backfield. I I don't even know if this is bold enough that he's going to lead the league in rushing. You don't take a guy eighth to put him in a running back by committee. You don't. They're going to feed him this season, and he is going to feast, especially on the other teams in this division. For John Robinson, most rushing yards in the league. Who is your division winner?
1: I can't get past the Jesse Bates signing.
0: I think there are certainly a number
1: of things to question about this Falcons team. But The one thing that will make all of that easier and help the team win in spite of is taking the ball away and giving it back to the offense. That's why I love this Jesse Bates signing so much. They actually have a real playmaking defensive back now.
0: Told Matt in the pre-show meeting, I was like, not only are the Falcons going to win this division, but you're going to pick them. And he's like, I don't know about that. And I was like, Oh, give me a good forty-five minutes, and we're going to get there. We're going with the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty high on them before, and then
1: we we had like lightly touched on it like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, Okay, well, this episode's going to be mm. very, very
0: one-sided, I guess. <laughs> Come over to the Taylor Heineke dark side, Matt. You, you uh, got me with,
1: with the Heineken.
0: I very obviously have the Falcons as well. I'm high on them this season. Yeah, I'll throw a second bold prediction at you. The Falcons win their home playoff game.
1: Whichever team wins this division will beat a wild card team that is more popularly thought to be Going deeper in the playoffs.
0: Let's just say it. Let's just yeah. say it right now. The Falcons are going yeah. to beat the Cowboys in the playoffs.
1: I don't believe the Cowboys are making the playoffs, but <laughs> I,
0: I know you don't. But I do. The Falcons are hundred percent beating the Cowboys. But if in the they do beat, the,
1: but if they do get to the playoffs, they're absolutely losing the first game they play
0: to the Falcons. Uh, that is it for us. As always, Faldoct can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at falconsfans at fouledoutsports.com. No, if you can hit us up on Twitter at fouledoutsports, you can find Matt on Twitter at matador underscore defense. You can find our videos on TikTok at Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. Join us on Saturday to talk about the AFC South, potentially the worst division in football, with maybe one of the best teams in the AFC. We'll see, but it is not deep and it is not good. So, (laughs) Matt, my friend, I will see you soon.
1: Yeah, bye, everyone.
0: All right, bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye, mom.